Okay, are you guys ready for some hockey yet? Yes. Too bad uh, we're talking about Connor McDavid's house instead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's the part of the offseason we're in. Uh, I, don't, I don't really want to contribute to this discourse. I'll be perfectly honest with you. But I have to comment on the basketball court. Like, what the hell is going on with that thing? People have been talking about the the ceiling, right? The corner threes is the thing that gets me. Like, it's so narrow. Like, obviously, you can't get any arc on your jump shot. Threes, forget about them, period, because of that ceiling. But you don't even give yourself the option of the corner three. Just poor design all around, as far as I'm concerned. And this is this is... Speaking as someone who started playing basketball all of four months ago, um, let's talk some actual hockey. Nick, you've been watching a lot of prospects lately. Uh, we're in this weird period, right, where usually we'd have the NHL going, and instead we've got um, a lot of uh, the lower leagues in action and some of the you know overseas leagues underway um the leafs nations prospect rankings we talked about them last week they continue and your first piece ran this week tell us a bit about uh arthur aktiyamov how did i do uh, no that was good i think <laughs> uh, it's a tough name as far sure. as you know yeah as far as i know uh, how's that russian coming uh, the russian is not coming good at all no i i, I think I, i'm still only got uh I, th- I think when they say he shoots, I think I know when they're saying that, but that one's pretty obvious. Um, yeah, no, I, I've been uh, focused a lot on uh, Oktyamov lately because I, I had that uh, article coming up in the prospect rankings. He came in at uh, 16th on the list, uh, the first goalie to appear on the rankings to this point. As I alluded to in the piece, the, the Leafs' uh, record of drafting goaltenders hasn't been all that stellar. They drafted 18 goalies since 1995, and three of them have played uh, 40 career NHL games. So not great, especially considering that one of those was Tuka Rask, and all those games were for the Boston Bruins. Uh, yeah, but Akiyama is an interesting case. He's um, He's been putting up really great numbers for the last couple of years over in Russia. Uh, he spent all of his draft season playing in the MHL. Uh, in the Kazan system, he finished last year. He, he played 46 games. He had a 931 save percentage. Um, the team that he played on is really strong, and especially at that level in Russia, there's a, a really big disparity between the, the top teams and the bottom level teams. So you have to take that into consideration, but but impressive numbers nonetheless. Uh, this year, he's jumped around a little bit more. There's been some injuries as well as the – guys missing time due to positive covid tests in the kazan system so he even got his first taste of khl action this year uh he was still only 18 years old at the time he's since turned 19 but just for him to be able to play at that level and uh keep his head above water i I think is a feat in itself and he's uh he's since been returned down to the vhl where he's continued to just put up sparkling numbers through eight games. He's uh, He's got a goals against of 1.58 and a save percentage of 935. It, it looks as though he's going to be the, the backup goaltender to Yaroslav Askarov for Russia at the upcoming World Juniors. Um, I don't think that we should expect to see him play very much unless there's an injury or something like that to, to Askarov. But 
he's still a very exciting goaltending prospect. Um, the, the fact that he is part of the, the Russian national development system says a lot uh, about how highly they think of him over there as well. Uh, he, he's a really athletic goalie. I think as time goes on, he's going to have to work on perhaps being a little more in control in the crease, having to rely less on his reaction speed and athleticism to, to make saves and just, you know, shore up his positional game. And, and that'll come as, as he grows. He's still only 19 years old. Those, those problems are really common for young goaltenders. But uh, I think that he's got a chance to, you know, be a player one day if all falls correctly for him over in Russia. And it'll be a long time before he comes over. But we've seen so many young goaltenders come over in the last couple of years from Russia. And, and uh, they've been doing a great job of pumping out NHL quality goaltenders over there. And this is only the second Russian goaltender the Leafs have ever drafted. So uh, I think it was definitely a worthwhile swing in the fourth round, uh, considering the other names on the uh, organizational depth chart in net and uh, the fact that the Leafs really don't have a, a plan for the future, uh, never mind just after next year, but uh, beyond. Uh, he just really endeared himself to me and, and earned a lot of stock when he blockered a guy within yeah. hours of being drafted. <laughs> yeah, that clip really took off after after that was posted. Was Did that happen after or was that like a clip from the no, previous No, that, that was a clip from last year, but uh, I just oh, threw okay. it out there That's after the Leafs picked him. I, I just, I liked the the head cannon that I had going where he just, uh, I don't know, just got so full of piss and vinegar after being drafted that he just decided <laughs> to go on a mission. No, for he's flesh. certainly full of um, piss and vinegar. You don't have to watch very much of him to, to notice that he's, uh, he's got some onions on him, so to speak. You can even tell the way he handles the puck and stuff. He's not scared to try and make a move to elude an oncoming four checker to make a play to one of his teammates too. He's a, he's a confident guy. There's no shortage of confidence. I love that. I love when a goalie's, half just on tilt at all times and could just <laughs> yeah. skate out of the crease and, and block or somebody it makes for we haven't had a many many goalies like that in a long time eddie so. belfort oh, was, yeah. probably the last one yeah well ray emery i guess but that was yeah, that's, a di- well. he's, that's different he's a heavyweight uh nick you, you also had a bunch of clips from uh mikhail uh, abramov this week um you know the queue has been a mess uh Victoriaville, uh, which is his team, they are one of a number that just got back to action in kind of a mini bubble in Quebec. And uh, they had more than a month off, but, uh, you know, they're back at it. And it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. No, he definitely hasn't missed a beat despite going over a month between games. I think his his last game prior to entering the bubble on uh, November 17th, I think it was. Uh, before that, they hadn't played since October 10th. So, Definitely a long time between games. There's kind of like a Major League Baseball situation going on there where some of the Maritime teams were up around 12, 13 games, and these other Quebec squads had still three and four games played. But yeah, uh, Abramov doesn't look like he missed a beat. I I watched his game last night uh, against Schwinnigan. Uh, He got on the scoreboard early, a really nice primary assist a couple of minutes into the game, and uh, he had another one later where it just uh, stemmed from a really smart positioning in the offensive zone to be there and recover and uh, or recover for the, the defenseman on the breakout and steal the puck back and took it back into the offensive zone f- with a nice entry and skated around, fired it on net, and the rebound went in. So, it, yeah, so he's up to the 13 points in 
uh, just eight games now. Uh, he's another guy that looks like he's going to be heading over to join the Russian team for their World Junior Camp. Uh, looking forward to seeing him there, especially because he's the kind of player that strikes me as one of those guys who he's kind of held back by the level that he's at. One of those guys who thinks the game at a really high level and might benefit more so than others from playing with more refined players, guys who can take advantage of his vision and, and the things he's trying to do with the puck on his stick. So I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see him with the Russian squad and some more talented players who can maybe take advantage of the things that he's able to do. Right, let's get into a few questions. We uh, have a bit of a mailbag set for this week. I uh, got a few questions and we'll dive into them. Most of them coming to us here from Twitter once again this week. Um, first one from at Frizzbob one, uh, what are you most looking forward to in the upcoming season? And, uh, goes on to kind of make a note about uh, letting and winning rookie of the year, but we did get some letting and news this week that we wanted to touch on too, because uh, it looks like he's headed to Toronto after his loan was terminated. Right? Yeah. He, uh, I actually watched the, that interview that he did with, uh, with Christian Shilton and Mark masters, I think like two weeks ago. And uh, which was a pretty painful interview to watch. It was just awkward. Um, not a lot of, uh, of color coming from his answers and, and their, their questions weren't exactly helping. But he, the, the, the one thing of note that I took from the interview was that at the end of it, they asked, when, when do you think he's going to be coming to Toronto? And he kind of just like paused and was like, soon. Like, that's all that's all he said. So um, at that point, he knew. Yeah, he knew. And he was. was like, how much can I say right now kind of thing? So. <laughs> Yeah, excited that he's coming over and, and what that kind of hopefully means is that camp's not too far away and we might actually get some some people on the ice to, to, to talk about. Yeah, well, and he wasn't the only player that we, we saw uh, leave from a, a European loan this week. The Habs had Jesperi Kakinemi over there. He They terminated his loan and he's headed back here as well. So You can only win, yeah, you can just... only win so many face-offs before they're ready to promote <laughs> you. Too. Oh, man. <laughs> for, for all the hell that Leafs fans get for getting excited about dumb little things their players do, I just I enjoyed that clip <laughs> and that tweet so much. So the season could be upon us pretty quick. Um, the question, what are we most looking forward to? Is it letting in for, for either of you or, or are you inclined to go another way nick we'll start with you uh letnin is definitely one of the more intriguing things about the upcoming season just because there's just a lot of unknown about him most of these other players we've got an idea of what they're capable of in the nhl um i still think it's nick robertson for me just because there is so much untapped offensive ability there um can he do enough to win a job with all these other bodies that he's competing with. Um, I think that he would need to be playing in a top nine role. Otherwise it's, it's not worth keeping him around if there's a, another option for him to play. That's the, the problem is that we don't really know what the OHL has in store for this season. And we don't know if there would be any kind of exemptions for a player like Robertson to play in the American league if the OHL doesn't come back in full swing or without body contact or whatever. Um, but yeah, he, he's probably what I'm most excited about just because I really believe in his ability to, to be an NHL goal scorer right now. His shot is a legitimate weapon. Um, he just needs to get that experience, get a little more comfortable, add a bit of quickness to his game, get a little more strength, but he, he's a kid that, uh, he, eats sleeps and breathes hockey it's uh, all he does is is work towards becoming a better pro 
I think that uh, there, there is a path there for him to maybe steal a job and even get some time in the top six uh, this season. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was a guy that came in and scored 20 goals as a rookie. Yeah, uh, from like a, a short-term you know, answer to this that, that shouldn't take long to see, and then I'm ready to move on to another storyline. But I, I can't wait for the first time that Wayne Simmons stares somebody down and mouths off with them and basically just gives you that bite that that uh, that we've all been kind of longing for. And I'm excited to see, and just to see it happen with, with Wayne Simmons, of all people. That's uh, that's high on my list for looking forward to this season. And I was actually going to go with Robertson too, Nick, but I'll take it in a bit of a different direction. And mostly just how is the the depth going to shake out? Who's going to land a job? Who's going to stick? A guy like guys like Jimmy VC, where's he going to end up? Um, what kind of production are, are you going to see from somebody like that? The third line and the fourth line are are, are just a ton of bodies and and you know and, and not that many spots. So that's that's probably the the what I'm going to be paying attention to most in camp is, is kind of the line combinations and where Keith sees it. Um, and then with the potential of expanded rosters, um, how long he kind of cycles through guys until he really sets himself up with a lineup that he goes to every night. If, if he does that, but um, yeah, and that, that's interesting because in a shortened season, how much time is there going to be for Keith to, fuck around yeah, basically exactly. for yeah. lack of a better term you got to get something ready for the stretch and for like you know not necessarily for the you don't need to be thinking playoffs right away but you got to be thinking winning games right so it's it, not just so much throwing guys in the blender anymore and it's who do you actually think you have as your best chance to win now it's it's easy when you have guys that they have up top that they know are going to carry the load for the most part um that if yeah. you know if he does experiment a bit in the bottom six that he knows he's still got Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and John Tavares and William Nylander up up you know at the top of the lineup but uh yeah I I think I'm excited to see that and I'm excited to see what we we get out of, out of like a Joey Anderson too so there's all that uh, depth that's that's entered the the system is is going to be fun to watch shake out what about you Cam I mean there's several pretty intriguing storylines to me one of them being Jack Campbell um you know what can he be I think he's a really likable guy and if he ends up being a starting goal in this league for the Leafs uh, one day um, that's going to kind of bloom this year and and I think that could be really interesting and and I'll be keeping an eye on that obviously the continued development of Austin Matthews um, you know as he rounds out his game but the the single most exciting thing for me is probably uh, seeing Joe Thornton in the blue and white um, ju- just seeing him take a twirl yeah, I think the first everybody's time looking forward to that just the visual yeah, the first time he, he he gets out there and and you know Keith you kind of touched on it with Simmons like it, it hasn't been talked about with Thornton he's obviously not being brought in to uh, to be tough but it, like you know he's going to grab a hold of someone at some oh, yeah. point this season too yeah he might grab a hold of somebody in the Leafs dressing room yeah it's it's going to be good, and I'm excited to kind of see what um, what kind of game he can bring. Like, can he contribute? You know, above and beyond just kind of being a cool, nostalgic. Hey, it's Joe Thornton in a leaf sweater kind of presence, right? Because we know it's going to be cool to see him, but um, can he can he contribute? And, and that's going to be really a fun storyline to watch. You know, at, at his age. So, um, the great question there. Super interesting that none of us mentioned the completely revamped defensive core. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something that- <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's exciting, too, right? Yeah, definitely. I feel like at this point, it's like, just get the job done and don't let us down. Don't be interested. Don't yeah, be excited. The defense just needs to not be the story for a change. Yeah, agreed. Uh, next up from our boy T uh, at underscore Tyson M. 
if you had to pick one surprise player to crack the top six this year, who would it be? I feel like I'm going to take uh, Nick's response here, but I, I, I see Nick Robertson getting a shot. Maybe not a full leash, but I think he gets a, a, a shake uh, to play with uh, to play with Tavares and, and and probably Nylander, I guess, or Marner. But um, I, I can just see him coming into training camp with the the, the taste that he got last year. Um, you know, like Nick mentioned, he's a workhorse type of guy that was has been you know spending this entire time getting better. Whatever he needs to do, um, I can see him coming into training camp and absolutely just taking the job and running with it. When the game catch, you know, the, I hate that term, but like when people figure him out or when the game catches up to him or whatever, um, does he stick there the whole year? I don't know. But crack the top six out of out of training camp, I can see them him having a shot. Yeah, I feel like that's the obvious one. Nick, do you have a, a another one, or do you agree with with Keith? Well, I probably. If you had asked me first, I, I would have gone with Robertson again. But since Keith stole my answer, <laughs> I'll I'll throw out. Uh, I think Jimmy VC is a that guy. Was be my other answer. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think we're on a similar train of thought here. Probably all three of us. Um, VC is a guy who's he had a bit of a down year last year in Buffalo, but most guys in Buffalo had a pretty bad year last year. Um, he's scored goals in the NHL in the past. He's a bigger body. He, I don't know if you guys saw the interview a couple of weeks ago. He talked about, you know, coming out with his hair on fire, really wanting to establish himself, you know, trying to, to play a more physical game. I think if he can do that, kind of bring a little more energy with the offensive tools that he's shown in the past, I think he's a guy that he's got as good a shot as anyone um, to win a job in the top six, even right out of camp. And if not, then... As the season wears on, I think he's definitely one of the guys who would be a, a, a primary option uh, if they're looking to shake things up, say Mikheyev or Robertson or or someone else wins the job initially. I think he's a guy that would definitely be in line for, for a look in the top six. Yeah, and he's never really played on like a good team before either. He was highly No, when touted. he was with the Rangers, they were, they were crap. Yeah, and, he was a highly yeah. touted guy sought after. He obviously has like the, the pedigree and, and kind of the, the talent to do it. He's just been playing. Yeah, he's been on dog shit teams for the three or four years he's been in the league. Yeah, those those are the two clear ones to me. Um, but just to round it out with a, a bit of a more long shot, um, Joey Anderson. I mean, I, we don't really know what he's going to be able to to show in camp. Um, I, I think it's certainly uh, kind of, you know, maybe he's at best battling for like a 13th forward spot to start at this point. But, um, you know, if, if he finds a little bit of chemistry, um, you know, the Leafs kind of have seemed to run with the idea of, of skilled pairs and then a third guy in the line who can kind of crash and bang with, you know, uh, Hyman and, and Mikheyev kind of filling that role on the top two lines right now. Um, and Anderson is a guy who can maybe slide in there and, you know, he's going to be your third option on the line, but maybe create some space for, for some of those guys. A long shot one, but I think it's a lot more likely to be one of the two that you, you two mentioned. Next question is from at Maple Leaf underscore Queen. Would the Leafs have won a round had they not fired Babs? They might not have made the fucking playoffs. Yeah, I was just about Babs. to say that. <laughs> yeah, that's a spicy yeah. one. I mean... Um, they, weren't on, they weren't on track to make the playoffs. I was just going to say, I mean, they didn't make the playoffs, technically. No, they, <laughs> they still didn't make it, so... <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, important to note that, like, after Sheldon Keefe was hired, the, the Leafs had, I think, the eighth best points percentage in the NHL the rest of the way. So things definitely took a turn for the better 
once Babcock was shown the door and the, the keys to the car were handed over to Sheldon Keefe and there was a little bit more, I don't know, organizational alignment from the front office down to the bench. And it, it definitely, in those early days, I think the, the Leafs players made it pretty obvious they were they were happy with the change and the results bore it out. Yeah, and, and I I'm, I'll try to answer the question like you know if if we just plucked you know Babcock and put him behind the bench for that series against Columbus, I don't like based on kind of the the precedent that Babcock has set. Has he done? Would he have done anything differently than Keith to to warrant a different result? And looking back at that series, like. The Leafs didn't play poorly defensively in that series. They they, no. they didn't give up a ton of scoring chances. They ran into a ridiculously hot goaltender, and they, you know, got PDO'd to death. It wasn't it wasn't like they were this like you know the Sheldon Keefe freewheeling uh, you know all offense don't care about your own end kind of play that that led to them losing that maybe Babcock could have cleaned up. Like I don't think there's a storyline that that would have no and and so out. much of that stuff seems silly to me because what was the first thing that happened when Sheldon Keefe came on board. He joined the team in Arizona that day. They had a late afternoon practice and he's out there trying to implement new defensive zone coverages. The first thing that he was doing on with his first day on the ice with the team. Because he actually tried to, he looked at who was on the team and the type of player he had and the type of, uh, you know, like the way they played and then tried to build a system around that instead of taking a system that's worked in the past and jamming it down on the players that don't play that way. Which is what we saw yeah. for however many years from Babs. Yeah, I, I just don't see anything he does to uh, improve the the fortunes there. Good riddance. And, and he also had his his couple of shots yeah. to to win around, and he didn't get it done. So uh, next one from at Cody Connolly five. What's your favorite hockey podcast to listen to? Uh, Nick. Um, well, I, th- I think we probably all listen to Myrtle and Jonas on the Leaf Report. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my my good friend Nick D'Souza. He does uh, the Everything Leafs podcast with uh, his pal Kevin Papetti from Maple Leafs Hot Stove. I think they do a great show. Um, I, I miss Leafs Geeks. Uh, I was actually pestering Ian a little bit earlier to to get back on the air, um, get back on the the podcasting waves, and get back into talking about hockey, so we could all hear his he's just so much smarter than most of the the hockey analysis out there and yeah we all miss him i, I don't know what you uh, what you guys listen to uh yeah i mean leaf report's probably the one that i listen to the most um talking strictly podcasts um i do a lot of like the the podcasted sports radio like leafs hour and, and overdrive and stuff like that um overdrive kind of one that i will just throw on while i'm working and get a laugh out of those characters and, and kind of do that. I don't, I don't have all, like a ton of time I find since having a, a two year old running around the house, um, to, to devote, to, to listen to podcasts all the time. Like I used to. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would, I yeah there, exactly. Right. You, you get it. Um, and then throw in the mix, uh, being in the middle of moving right now, it's, uh, not, not a lot of free time. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I would, you know, say that, uh, leaf report, Leafs hour overdrive kind of stick to those ones yeah I um I bounce all over the place like I have a job in like sports editorial so I I try to stay on top of all sports like I used to listen to a lot of hockey pods but when I got this job a couple years ago it was like you know I listened to a lot of NBA NFL and frankly some of those put me off of some some of the like hockey podcasts I used to listen to because there's some really interesting stuff 
uh, in those other leagues. But but there's some really uh, cool pods. I've kind of pivoted like away from some of the more like hard news stuff, like Thirty One Thoughts or whatever. I used to listen to that all the time, and now I listen to like more fan led, um, like and podcasts from like different perspectives. Like I, I listen to my favorite po- hockey pod right now is. Uh, uh, Puck Bunnies uh, podcast um, and another one that I just started listening to recently which is pretty good as well is Broadscast and both of those are uh, hosted um, by all women and um, Broadscast is Vancouver fans and it's good um, because prior to listening to it I just basically thought every Canucks fan I ever ran into in the wild was like a conspiracy theory lunatic um, <laughs> But apparently there's some who aren't. Uh, so that that one's been okay. Um, but yeah, I, I like to listen to like, you know, I like to hear different perspectives. Like I used to listen to a lot of harder news stuff. And now now I, I kind of pivoted on that. So really open to any any suggestions always on, on hockey pods. Um, next up from at JJ Burnett 327. What are each of your top three favorite current nhl jerseys i don't know if i can come up with three Ugh. but uh keith do, keith do you want to yeah, start us i get uh the not the reverse retro although it's good um but the normal white for the minnesota wild i'm a big fan of that one um something about the combination of the colors and and the, the layout of the jersey i like it a lot um i mean the blue leafs will always be uh, a, a big one for me um I don't know. I'm trying to think of a third one that like I can say I I really like. Um, I'll I, I'll go with the the red and yellow kind of vintagey uh, Calgary Flames jerseys. Those would those ones always look good. I love that. It just reminds me of like being pissed off after a Leafs loss and watching them on Hockey Night in Canada. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean for me, like. Obviously, the Leafs. I, I I love any any Leafs like blue uniform. Basically, like I, take your pick. Um, I love them all. Um, I I do. You know, Keith, you mentioned the Flames. I like the Flames unis. I I, I have a bit of a soft spot for the Oilers as well, depending on on the the particular kit. Like I don't really like the orange the, the, ones. I but... despise that orange sweater. That's ugh. yeah. The, the Oilers blue is so good. Yeah, they had such a nice looking jersey. Like had they stuck with that original blue with the orange shoulders, it, it, that, I like that one a lot. Better. Yeah. I like that. It's it, that's the Cape Breton Oilers connection, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah. I, I'm drawn to that a little bit. Um, yeah, and and I think uh, you know, aside from that, I've al- I've always liked the the Sharks teal. I've always liked that that color. So probably the Sharks for me. Yeah, I like the Sharks. I don't know. I might be in the minority here. I've always really liked the the Avalanche uniforms. Yeah, that's that, for sure. Um, I don't know. Did you guys? We saw the, they might be changing from wearing black gloves and and pants and helmets to blue. I don't know how that's going to turn out. Apparently, yeah. there's some other alterations to their jerseys coming to maybe accent that change a little better. But uh, I really like the Colorado uniforms. I've always really liked uh, both Minnesota jerseys um and of course the leafs like you guys any one of the the blue leaf sweaters i especially like the the current sweater uh i love the modernized leaf logo um and i really like the senators uh revamped kind of going back to their roots yeah jerseys that they came out with for this year yeah they nailed that yeah it pains me to say it but if the senators finally did something right <laughs> More Jersey talk and our first email question from 
Leo. Oh, God. Let me ask you this. <laughs> Let me ask you this. <laughs> we debated that as the name for our mailbag episode. Yeah, it actually should be. <laughs> On what grounds? <laughs> uh, would you take a Black Leafs jersey instead of the current uh, reverse retro? Yes. If so, how would it look? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I would I would definitely have liked to see, like, I think that we were all kind of on record as not liking the blue on blue. Um, I, I don't know how you'd lay it out, but I, I would definitely I, take I, it. I'm a hard no. I, I don't like black uniforms for the most part, and definitely not Leafs. It feels blasphemous. I'll take the abomination that is the reverse retro than having to, like, if, if you were to say maybe, like, take the same jersey that they have now, the sa- exact same whatever you know but just swap the the blue of the jersey for black and have the blue leaf on now man i i I just can't i don't know i don't like black the only team weirdly enough that it's leo that asked this the only team that i find can pull off a black jersey other than maybe the bruins would be uh i I like the flyers blacks when they like like remind me like john leclair and shit like that but I don't know. Just never, never been a fan of them. I'd rather color. Yeah, I, I've always kind of liked uh, black jerseys and kind of longed for. I know it's uh, probably never going to happen. The Leafs are blue and white. I guess blue and gray <laughs> for this year in, on some nights. But uh, I've always kind of wanted to see what a black Leafs jersey might look like. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen any highlights of Amirov when Ufa's wearing though. They have an alternate jersey that's like all black with. Instead of white stripes, it's like bright green. Uh, if I'd like to see a Leafs jersey that was like black with the blue and white trim in it, and perhaps like the white leaf on the front. I don't know. I'd just be interested to see it. I'm not saying it would look good or anything, but something I've always kind of wanted to see. They have them though. Did, wasn't there like a some sort of like? I don't think they never wore them on the ice, but didn't Adidas do like every team in like a blackout jersey or something? Am I dreaming oh, yeah. that? Like, yeah, I think so. But I think they there were, was no like, blue in it, though. I think it was just black. Yeah, it was right? just black like, and white. The, the logos were grayed out, kind yeah. of, and there was no no accent colors for any team. Yeah, I'm so looking, it's just kind of- I'm looking at it right now, and it's god awful. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> and uh, next one from Leo as well, uh, a more serious one. Uh, provided the players agree to a deferment of salary for the upcoming season. Is this concession by the player something they can use in the future CBA negotiations or with the CBA being agreed to until 2025-26, is this merely going to be overlooked the next time the two sides are at the table? Mr. Fucking education. Yeah, that's, that's a, there's an English teacher writing you a question. Um, I mean, it, we, this is what we all know. The the owners are, are going to try to dismiss as much leverage as they possibly can. So, yeah. you know, the players will probably try to use it as leverage. The owners will ignore it. We'll all be miserable. I'm not still jaded from yeah. the last couple of lockouts. <laughs> so it's a, it's a concession that, that they made. They already agreed to the 10% deferral. They're asking to... to you defer another 13% on top of that. You know, it's, it's, it's something that of course I think they're going to try to use in, in, in the CBA negotiations, but do I think it's, there's going to be like a material change as a result of it, or that it's going to result in, in a, the players getting any better of a deal than they would have if they hadn't made these concessions? Probably not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like, like, like you said, Cam, I don't have a ton of faith in the CBA process. I don't really know how or, or if it will be something that they can use as a negotiating tool just because both sides, 
are of the understanding that they're going to be taking a hit in this time to get the league back up and running. Like, yeah, the players are making a concession of deferring salary and the owners are asking them to to defer an additional 13% on top of that. But we have to also remember the the owners are, are taking a hit this year as well. So it's not just the players that are, are making these concessions. The owners are making the concession of getting the league back going without fans in the building too. So uh, yeah, I, I don't I, know. I, don't, I didn't mean that. Uh, that I think that it was a lot. Like I, I, I'm against the concession. I actually think it makes sense. Like the deferral of the salary is probably the only reason that there's that we're going to have a a season and and i think it actually does make sense to ask them to just get paid later as opposed to you know prorating the salary and not getting paid for an 82 game season even though they play 55 or 60 but i just think it's it's something that they're doing it wouldn't happen but it's something that they're agreeing to and 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 you know i think anything like that is going to be tried to be used as a bargaining as a bargaining yeah absolutely it'll all come out when they're at the table again in a few years but I, i just don't know how much weight any of it will carry and it it could be an entirely different landscape by the time that that negotiation comes around again and a couple more to finish off the mailbag uh both from at brian crd uh both music related uh the leafs goal song yay nay or indifferent big yay for me i fucking love hauling it it's just such a feel-good song and now that it like it's got all these great memories tied to it like it's just almost like a pavlov's dog kind of thing you know you hear that song it's you just feel good because the leafs scored a goal uh, yeah i'm for it uh, and i also just can't think of what i would prefer to have as as a goal song so i'm definitely a yay yeah i didn't like it at first i'll be honest um i love hall and oats and i love that song and i like a you know ton of other you know hall and oats songs are awesome 80s group but i don't i didn't like it at first but like you said it just now is associated with so many good memories and it, yeah no i i love it i don't want them to change it i think they should run with it and make it their make it their thing right yeah we're thumbs up all around for this one also the the the, the victory song right back where we started from is an apps i don't know why or where that came from well, i don't know if there's any <laughs> kind of story behind that but it's a fucking great track <laughs> it is great and being that this is Atlantic Canada's official Leafs podcast, we have to <laughs> mention Heave Away, uh, which, you know, had previously <laughs> it had its um, occupied that space. Um, next up from Brian to finish off uh, for Nick and Nick specifically. Uh, what is the best Every Time I Die album, Nicholas? Oh, that's a, that's a good question because it changes all the time for me. Actually, it usually changes every time they put out a new album. Uh, their their most recent one that's been out for a, a few years now, Low Teens. It's called. Uh, I that's I think that one's had more staying power with me than any of their other ones, and that's saying something because uh, their entire catalog is still in my regular rotation. <laughs> but I, I just thought the the last album, uh, just with the subject matter, if you kind of look into what a lot of the lyrical content was was about. Uh, Keith Buckley, the the lead vocalist at the time, he was kind of going through some scary stuff with his wife being in labor and complications with the the unborn child and stuff. And a, a lot of the album was around that. It's really powerful stuff. Like all of their music is pretty powerful in my opinion. And just that subject matter only added to it. And I think like musically, it, it, it just it was another step forward for them. They just they keep getting better. They've been around for a long time doing 
doing the metalcore thing. And uh, yeah, I just it's, it, I, I think that their next album will probably occupy that space again. They've had one uh, in the hopper for a bit, but with COVID and not being able to tour it, not really sure when it's going to come out. Uh, I think all metal fans and specifically fans of ETIT are definitely waiting for that. Um, but yeah, uh, f- for me, it's definitely been the most recent album and with a with a shout out to uh, New Junk Aesthetic. Uh, we didn't think we'd be able to talk Growlers after last week's announcement that uh, uh, the ECHL season was being scrapped for uh, the North Division, which includes the Newfoundland Growlers. But uh, they did go on to announce that their teddy bear toss is still going on. So we, we thought we'd give them some love for that because I don't know about you guys, but I love a teddy bear toss. Yeah, man, they're awesome. <laughs> have you have you been to teddy bear tosses in the past? Yeah, either of you? Yeah, I've been to like Sea Dogs games. Have had a few of them. I remember even back in the early like St. John Flames days, uh, the the teddy bear toss happening. It was they're cool. They, I mean the go you know take them to the hospital afterwards it's it's a cool story it's awesome just seeing the guys like stick handling teddy bears around the ice while they're cleaning them (laughs) up it's a cool thing it's i'm you know i don't know how long ago those started but i'm glad they stuck around it's like the one moment in any hockey game where like everyone on either side players fans can all be happy at once yeah so, so they are doing this in Newfoundland. You, uh, there are a number of uh, locations you can drop off your teddy bear to. Uh, I love teddy bear tosses. I, I've been to them as a fan. I think I, I went to one in Sydney, a Screaming Eagles game, where they didn't score. And with the last five minutes of the game, um, they came on the PA and said, okay, throw your bears. And everyone throws the bears. And then they scored like the next <laughs> play. Uh, and then the other one I, I, I saw from up top, um, I called the Halifax Mooseheads, did a couple of seasons of uh, color commentary and uh, got to see that, I think, in my second season. I think I missed the first one for uh, U Sports doing college hockey, and I was real broken up about it and uh, got to see it, though, the second year from up top. And it's a, it's a sight to behold from up top for sure. So the Growlers uh, have a few locations where you can drop off your teddy bears if you are on the rock and support their teddy bear toss, even though they won't have a season this year, unfortunately. Um, another story we wanted to touch on, some big news this week, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, who we made sure to take a, a, a real nice dump on last week for their retro, <laughs> uh, reverse retro jerseys. Uh, Everybody loves a redemption story. <laughs> they, they, they made a good decision this week. A couple of good decisions, actually. But the one getting a lot of the headline being uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield, who was hired to join their uh, coaching staff uh, as a player development coach. She's still active, of course. She's made a lot of headlines. Um, obviously, you know, the, the whole fastest skater thing there back at the uh, NHL All-Star Weekend a couple seasons back. Um, that was pretty cool. And, you know, she's been a house name basically uh, on the women's hockey side of things ever since and uh, she's done so much like she has she's coming off of um, being a broadcaster with the Sharks she, she was doing some broadcast stuff with the Sharks while she was still playing and she'll continue to play because she's part of the uh, PWHPA uh, Minnesota hub um, and had played uh, previously in the NWHL for Minnesota I believe so um, she's busy and she's got quite a resume I think she worked for the, the Blackhawks doing uh, communications as an intern, like out of out of university. So um, really cool to see. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, role she carves out there. You know, like you said, she's been one of the 
if not the most, I guess, visible um, uh, women's hockey player in the last couple of years, uh, jumping off from the her appearance at the All-Star Weekend, which was just great to, for the NHL to, to have some of the – the best that the women's game has to offer showcase alongside the the men at the NHL's All-Star weekend and you know kind of kind of help establish uh, a greater audience for for the women's game and, and yeah like you said she's been a star ever since then and i think it's great for for young girls and other women to to see one of the more prominent uh, women's hockey players or, or women in hockey now. She's more than just a player. To, uh, now that she's taken on this uh, player development role with the Blackhawks, I just think it's great for, we talked about it before, the visibility of the, the women's game and uh, for all the young girls that are looking to to carve out a path for themselves in hockey. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like <clears throat> there's a bit of a wave coming of, of hires of, of women in hockey, and it's awesome. I hope this is something that we continue, that we get to talk about every week with, with new hires. Um, you know, the, like you guys touched on her, her performance at the All-Star game a, a couple of years ago. Um, you know that was that was huge. That like immediately put her on the map. In terms, she of, was the story of All Star. There weekend. was nothing else. Like All Star games suck. I mean, like they they're not that much <laughs> yeah. fun to watch. That was by far the the best part. Um, so immediately became a household name and and had you know is now hopefully going to be uh, not not the first but um you know uh, another one in the long line of of uh, hires that are that are to come and hopefully we get to touch on them week after week and uh should also note that megan hunter who had been an executive assistant to stan bowman uh now director of hockey administration and an amateur scout as well so um couple of uh, cool promotions there and uh, yeah i mean like you said you know it hopefully we it becomes something we can talk about every week and it has been you know you go back to like kim ing we were talking last week about uh, you know uh, hiring uh you know diverse voices and uh hopefully this you know signifies a that a, a corner has been turned i guess you could say we're going to finish things off with uh, the Town Heroes, who are uh, one of the East Coast's gems. Um, started off as a two-piece. They've grown to a four-piece now, uh, three-quarters of which are from Cape Breton. They're based in Halifax. And, uh, I mean, these guys are, are darlings of the uh, the East Coast music scene. And uh, Nick, you know, being a Cape Bretoner, it's a small world, so you've come across uh, the paths of, of this crew uh over the years, right? Yeah, actually, the first time I met Bruce, who who plays drums in the band, uh, was a few years ago. I, I was still trying to do a little bit of the music thing myself, and there were some uh, charity games that were taking place here. It was uh, a team of some East Coast musicians who uh, who suited up to play some games against uh, some of the, the women's college teams around here and raise a little bit of money. And uh, that's where I first met Bruce and uh, first became familiar with, with his band and their music. And in the in the coming years, I was lucky enough to, to work with, with his band uh, a number of times at, at various festivals and different shows when I was doing the stage production thing. And uh, yeah, just the great guys. They're fucking hilarious. Like they're great musicians. Their music is awesome. But like their, their social media stuff is just as good, if not better. Um, it, like you said, true gems of the East Coast. They've got so many accolades and awards over the years here um, on the East Coast, and yeah, really proud to uh, to call them our own. Yeah, one of the few East Coast bands that I've actually not had the pleasure of meeting, which is strange considering I 
played with so many or just run into at festivals and things like that. Um, but clearly their reputation precedes them. They're, they seem like super nice guys. They're hilarious. Like the, well, they had that clip that went viral years ago there. Uh, wasn't it the, uh, the, <laughs> the Tessa, Scott Tessa Moyer and Scott, Tessa yeah, Virtues clip. Narrating, oh like God. narrating it. Uh, come on, do it. That was like, I think probably the first, yeah, come on. <laughs> that was probably the first time I heard of them, but their music's awesome. I like, I'm a big fan of theirs now. Um, so yeah, they're on my list to either play a show with or or at least get a chance to chat and talk hockey with. Yeah, well, Mike, Bruce, Aaron, Victoria, if any of you are listening to this, book the the backstage yeah. on a gig. I've played with with uh, with, with Victoria and, and Aaron before in different bands, but I haven't had a chance to to play with the other guys. They're in the, the, the Victoria and Aaron are like in every single Nova Scotia base. They're like superstars of the Halifax music scene that like she's, she's, she's a phenomenal bass player and she has the coolest, the coolest bass on the East coast. It's so it's rad. I've, I've known Victoria for such a long time, like going back to when I was a a teenager and playing in my first bands and she was even younger than me at the time. And she was already starting out and playing real shows and, you know, writing their own music and stuff. She's been at it for a long time. It's awesome to see that it, it's really gone somewhere for her. She's in a, a legitimately successful group. They're, they're just a, a wicked group of people all together. And uh, yeah, really, really happy to have them on the show. Yeah, there exists probably somewhere a photo of me interviewing Tori and her sister in their band. Um, and I want to say, I was trying to think about this. I feel like Tori would have been 14. <laughs> in the radio studio. Um, yeah, she's been at it for a long time and she's, uh, she's incredible. So, um, they're awesome. The town heroes, um, the new release is an acoustic album. It's called again. And the uh, first single is the acoustic version of babe Ruth, the town heroes. Thanks for listening.
nothing on me I can make it, you won't feel